Tonight, God's Word comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter 1. We are going to begin our reading at verse 13, and we'll read also the first three verses of chapter 2. Our focus tonight will be on verses 22 through chapter 2, verse 3. But we're going to begin our reading at verse 13. 1 Peter 1, beginning at verse 13, what we hear now is God's Word. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For... All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, as we continue our study of this first letter of Peter to the churches, we noticed last time that in verse 13, we begin really the body of the letter. Uh, Peter is writing to encourage the church. He is writing to strengthen the church. And he gives us in verse 13 and following really what he wants them to know. He's talked about who they are in Christ, and therefore they should live in a certain way. And he says in verse 15, But as he who called you is holy you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. They should, they should begin in their lives 
to look like the God who has saved them. He calls the church to action that they might be strengthened and encouraged in their faith. And we saw last time he talked about God as their father and how children should look like their parents. That's normal, that's expected. And so we as God's people should begin to look like him. He is holy, therefore we should see some holiness in our lives. We also talked about the fact that God is a just judge, one who will judge impartially. We must be concerned about the way that we live and that God also is the Redeemer who sent his son Jesus Christ to ransom his people so they could live in this way. Uh, they, they were ransomed not with silver, not with gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He secured an eternal redemption and therefore, because of what he has done, the church is called to pursue holiness, to be sober-minded, to be self-controlled, to be set apart from evil. And tonight he continues that same theme, that call to holiness, that call to a particular way of life because of what God has done. And he's going to spell that theme out throughout the rest of this letter. Uh, just to make it very, very clear, Peter is writing to the church. He is writing to believers. And so he gives these ethical exhortations. He tells them they should live in a certain way. They should be holy. Don't forget, he is addressing believers. We do not go to unbelievers and say, you need to be holy so God will save you. That's not what Peter is doing here. He's saying, since you know Jesus Christ, since you know what he has done, Therefore, you are to live in these ways. If you, like, if you like theological terms, we are not talking about the way in which someone is justified. We are justified by the finished work of Jesus Christ applied to us. We are talking about the way one is sanctified. How the Spirit continues to work in the life of the believer. We have to keep that straight or we're going to be confused as we go through 1 Peter and he gives all these ethical exhortations. I thought we were saved apart from our works. Yes, we are saved apart from works. But having been saved by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, therefore be holy because I am holy. And he uses the phrase tonight in the beginning of chapter 2, we are to grow up into salvation. We are to grow up into salvation, to look more and more like our Father, more and more to pursue holiness in our life. That's what we talk about this evening, growing up into salvation. He begins in verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. And the, certainly the way that sounds in English as if it's a done thing. You already have purified your souls. But the, the particular tense that he used here has is the idea of an ongoing action. Perhaps better translated, while purifying your souls. In this ongoing work, purifying your souls by obedience to to the truth. We will evidence the fact that God has saved us, that God is at work in us when we pursue obedience to the truth. 
In many ways, tonight's sermon is just a continuation of this morning's sermon. I told the kids this morning, kids, I told you this morning, what's the simple command? Obedience. Obey. What does Peter say? Obey. I say it's a continuation of this morning's sermon about Christian education, but perhaps with a little different application. This morning, we talked about the importance of our children being instructed in the ways of the Lord. Tonight, that focus shifts from children to us as adults. All of us are called to continue that pursuit of holiness. All of us whose souls are being purified are called to this obedience to the truth. It is a Christian education sermon for the adults, not just the children. And so he says, Obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. How will that work of God in our life, the fact that we are being purified, how will that manifest itself? It will manifest itself in a growing love for the people of God. A growing love for one another. He says, you have this sincere brotherly love. And that's really the term that he uses here, a term that means brother, the, the love of brothers for each other. When we uh, come into the church, when we join the church, we certainly have an acquaintance with others. We have a brotherly concern for them. But Peter is saying it has to grow from there. And he uses a different term when he says this, Love one another earnestly. More than just a casual acquaintance. More than a mild concern with each other. Love one another earnestly. An earnest love. A self-denying love. A love that cares more about the other than we care even about ourselves. This is the evidence of of growth in this holiness, of growing up into our salvation. A greater love for the people of God. A willing to be inconvenienced for others in the church. Perhaps, Perhaps even a willing to be wronged by someone else. If it might demonstrate our love, our concern, our earnest love for them. Love is that which grows between brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's very much like a marriage. Um, you know, when I was in uh, my former charge, Sue Center did a lot of premarital counseling of college uh, students wanting to get married. Reverend Emeyer, would you do our counseling? And so I had an opportunity to do a lot of premarital counseling. And I, I, love, I love premarital counseling uh, because it's, it's so, it's so um, exciting to see that, I'm going to use the word, initial love between a man and a woman. And they're so in love. They're so, they're so enamored with each other. And, and I, I try to tell them, as good as this seems now, your love will grow. And those of you who've been married a long time, you know that. Yes, there's that initial love we have for our spouse, but, but as God takes us together down the road of life through good times 
through bad times. There is a growth, a depth in that love that we have for our spouse. Peter says that is the way it should be in the church. Not simply a casual acquaintance and be satisfied with that, but a deeper love and devotion to each other. It, 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 It takes a deliberate effort to get to know the people of God. So you can have that that greater love and care for them. But this is what Peter calls us to, to grow up in our salvation, not being content to to exist on the fringes of the church, having a, a, a casual acquaintance with those people, but to love one another, to know one another, to pray for one another, be concerned for one another. In his words, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. This is something of what it means to grow up in salvation, expressing our love, our deep concern for one another. He reminds them, once again, who they are, verse 23. Since you do this, since you have been born again. He speaks of them being born again. Born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. We know that when we are born again, it is the work and power of the Holy Spirit who takes the word and applies it to us and makes it real in our lives. Uh, Peter here focusing on the character of that word that is used by the Holy Spirit. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For he says, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. God's word is imperishable. Imperishable seed. And he gives us this picture of how grass grass will go away. Now, I know we don't do this here in Southern California, but back in Phoenix, uh, when we lived there, uh, if you uh, had grass uh, in your lawn, not many, uh, not many lawns in Phoenix, most had uh, desert landscape. That just means rocks, kids. That's rocks. They call desert landscape. But a few of us had grass, and, and I still like grass, so we had grass in our yard. And actually, if if you live in Phoenix, Arizona, you have not one lawn, you have two lawns. You have the regular lawn that you sow, Bermuda grass. It's Bermuda grass that is very resistant to uh, hot temperatures. It doesn't need a whole lot of water. Uh, It grows year-round. But what happens in the fall, although it's still alive, it goes dormant. As the temperature drops, the Bermuda doesn't grow that much anymore. So if you want what we call a winter lawn, you've got to sow a different seed. In October, about the third week of October, I would go out to our lawn and I would sow rye seed. Now rye seed uh, can take lower temperatures, doesn't need as much water, and so you get this beautiful green grass, Bermuda in the summer and rye in the winter. But, But in the spring, the rye actually dies. It doesn't go dormant, it actually dies. So every fall, you've got to re-sow your winter lawn. Unlike the Bermuda, the Bermuda continues to be alive 
throughout the year. Even though you sow the rye seed on top of it, that same Bermuda comes back again. It is, by analogy, an imperishable seed, not like the rye, which is perishable seed. He uses the picture of seed as a picture of the Word of God in our lives. We are to have that imperishable seed. There may be times when in our lives we, we almost start to go a bit dormant, but we are still alive because of the work of the Spirit, that ongoing grass. The other grass falls away, but the word of the Lord stands forever. It is living and abiding. It continues to instruct us. It instructs us as children. It instructs us as adults. We need to continually be in the word of God. Uh, Mary and I were talking this afternoon about, you know, when your kids go back to school and, uh, and maybe they, uh, they ask you for help with their homework. And, and you go and you look at the textbook and one of the things you say is, you know, I used to know how to do that. I used to be able to work that problem. I see that when I look at, at an introductory calculus book. I was a math major for two years. I, I used to be able to do integrals. I used to be able to do derivatives. I can't anymore. I used to know that. We need to continually be filling our minds with this truth. There are things perhaps we have learned as children that we have forgotten. Spiritual truths, biblical truths. And so that word of God has to be living and abiding in our lives for us today. The word of God continues to be that which must be our focus and which we must feed upon with regular intake. It is this word that he says, this word is the good news that was preached to you. This word, this living, enduring, abiding word. A word that does not change. A word that does not go out of style. Now to be sure, the word of God must be applied to our local context, but the word itself does not change. It is not out of date. It is not old-fashioned to listen to the Scriptures because the Word of God is imperishable, living and abiding. The Word of the Lord remains forever. This Word was preached to you. And he talks here this allusion to the value of preaching. If you talk with experts in communication, What's the best communication strategy to get your point across? They will say one of the worst things you can do is put people in straight rows and have them all face one person who talks at them for 20 or 25 minutes. That is one of the worst ways. You need to be interactive. You need to have everybody involved. That's what communication experts say. Preaching of the word is different. It is God's appointed means by which the Holy Spirit will take that word and implant it in our hearts. That's why we put so much focus on preaching. It is not an outmoded means of communication. Remember, when I went into the ministry, one of my colleagues in the denomination I was serving in uh, had a very um, um, uh, interactive style of worship. 
and used to refer to the style of worship which I conduct, which we have here today, as a talking head. You're just a talking head. And I would say, yes. But I'm talking about Jesus Christ and the gospel. Is there anything more important for us to hear again and again and again? The preaching of the gospel still accomplishes its purpose. It is still used by the Holy Spirit to change hearts and to change lives. And so once again tonight, I call in the name of Jesus Christ, if you have not put your faith in him, if you've not put your trust in him, the glory of the gospel is recognize who he is, recognize your own sin, embrace him, and know the truth of salvation. Until then, all this talk about being holy doesn't make, make, make any difference. Uh, uh, if you try to be holy without Jesus Christ, you just end up being a holy hypocrite. That's all we have there. But no, it, it, it begins with recognizing Christ and what he has done. The preaching of the word, the necessity of the gospel to continue, and, and our necessity of responding to that word, hearing that word again and again and again. You have been born by the word of God, an imperishable seed, a living and abiding word. Now continue, continue through that word to grow up into salvation. Continue to take that word in. And that's where he, he finishes this section in chapter 2. I'm picking up at, at verse 2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Long for the pure spiritual milk. Now there are times in Scripture where milk is used in somewhat of a derogatory term for those who should know more. That is not what's going on here. He is talking about the attitude we should have toward our intake of the Word of God, a desire and eagerness. We want it like a newborn wants milk like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk now as you know we were just up in uh, in idaho and we saw our newborn granddaughter who never ever cries uh, but once in a while when she was hungry she would let us know an infant doesn't uh, reflect upon the fact that you know food is coming right now they cry out they want this. That's the picture Peter gives us. To cry out for the Word of God, to cry out for this pure spiritual milk, the milk of the gospel. Is, is that your attitude toward the preaching of the Word? Do you, do you through the week cry out to God that, that you might once again be fed on the Lord's day. And, 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 and do you plead with him that that milk may strengthen you? Do we cry out to God for the beauty of the gospel, our desire to hear it again and again, that we never tire of hearing of the glories of Jesus Christ. We never tire of the beautiful story of salvation. Like newborn infants, long, for that pure spiritual milk. Newborns have to be fed frequently. Some of you new mothers know that, how frequently an infant needs to be fed. And even us as adults, we want to eat regularly, uh, two or three meals a day. 
What about our spiritual diet? Too often, we are content with being malnourished. Hearing the Word of God, spending time in the Word of God once a week, or, or even twice when we come to church, is not enough. To do that is to be malnourished. We need to have a daily intake of this Word, just like a newborn needs to be regularly fed. We need to be regularly fed a daily intake of the Word of God. Are you, are you spiritually malnourished? Are you not getting enough and perhaps don't even notice it? Now, if, if, if one of our children, newborns, stopped eating for a day or two or three, we would take them into the doctor. What's wrong with my baby? How easy it is for us to go a day or two or three or a week or a month without the regular daily intake of the Word of God. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Grow up in salvation. This is the means by which we are grown. And, and notice what he says, and I don't want to make too much of this, but he says, long for the pure spiritual milk. The reference is to the gospel and the word of God. Uh, many times I'm asked, uh, uh, Reverend Niemeyer, what is a good devotional book I should use for my devotions? And, and my answer is always the same. There are some very good devotional books out there but the best devotional book you can have is the Word of God. I am not opposed to devotionals, don't get me wrong. But too often, too often, the devotional gives us one little verse from God's Word taken in context or out of context, and then two or three pages in addition. Now, I'm, I'm currently going through a devotional, and it's it's very helpful to me, but it's about half Scripture and maybe half of other. Long for the pure spiritual milk. You want a good devotional? God has given us a good devotional. He's given us the beauty of His Word. To, to, to some devotionals, and again, I'm not, against, I'm not against devotional, but some devotionals, they seem to have so much extra and they miss just the beauty of the text. It, it'd be like, like going to Thanksgiving dinner and you see uh, the mashed potatoes and the gravy and you see the green bean uh, casserole and you see the cranberries and you see the stuffing and you go, but, but g -g -g where's the turkey? <laughs> where's the heart of the meal? Where's the real thing? This is the real thing. Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Don't let it be watered down. Don't, don't, don't read too selectively in God's Word. Read a broad base of God's Word. I know that some of you use a, a, a reading schedule that helps you read the variety of the portions of God's Word. Don't, don't only read about God's love and care and compassion. Also read about His justice and His holiness and His wrath. 
Don't only read from uh, the Psalms, but also read from the epistles, also read from the narratives, also read from the apocalypse. Read all of God's Word. Don't only read from the New Testament, but look at the, the beauty and the depth of the Old Testament, the fullness of the pure spiritual milk, and grow up into salvation. What are you doing to grow up in salvation? What are you doing to grow in your walk with the Lord? What are you doing to grow your love for the people of God? Of course, to, know, to love them, we have to know them. Getting to know one another, being willing to share with one another our lives and what is, what is important to us. That we may love each other deeply, earnestly. What are you doing to, to grow in your knowledge of the Word of God. We talked this morning about, you know, Christian education for our children, and I, I pulled the pamphlet um, that our church puts out, and uh, just a quick glance at it. There are a number of opportunities for our children to be instructed in the Word of God. There are almost twice as many for adults to be instructed. What are you doing to grow up into salvation? God has blessed this church with a variety of resources and Bible studies that meet at a variety of times and in a variety of methods. Grow up in salvation. Crave, desire, long for that pure spiritual milk like a newborn infant. Because God will use that word and by the power of his spirit will work in our lives that we, his children, might grow up in salvation. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, how thankful we are that you are our father and we are your children. And you have so beautifully and so clearly revealed your word to us. It is written down. It is inscripturated. And we can read it and we can study it and we have easy access to it. Perhaps, perhaps too easy, O oh God, that we so casually can take it for granted. If we have been negligent in our growth in salvation, whether through our love for each other or whether through our knowledge of you, forgive us, O oh God. And by your Spirit, work in us that greater desire that greater desire to show our love for you and for your people. Increase that desire to grow up in salvation through our knowledge of you through your word. Thank you, O God, for your work in our lives. We recognize that we have been saved by your Son, Jesus Christ. It is nothing we have done, but because of his work, you now continue to work in us, sanctifying us, purifying us through obedience to the truth. Continue to do your work, O oh God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We turn to 119 once again, this time selection M. 119M. Oh, how I love your holy law, O oh Lord. All day I meditate upon your word. 
It makes me wiser than my enemies, for your commands are ever with me, Lord. We're going to sing the four verses of 119M. Let's stand together as we sing. Receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.